monsters my name is erin and i'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world these podcasts focus on the actual cryptids folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures i'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as i am about these absolute leviathans of the mythological world kind of got a different one this week as we're looking at the germanic myth of the wild hunt the wild hunt is a group of ghostly hunters accompanied by hounds occasionally and led by a spooky leader which changes based on what mythology we're looking at but we'll get back to that later they're described as either the dead fairies or elves and they're linked in mythology to the change of seasons from autumn to winter and they're also linked to big old winter storms as this could come over like a big wave or a big group of spooky soldiers roaming across the land the hunt was recorded first in the early modern european history but was especially concentrated in the germanic lands we're talking about scandinavia germany and sometimes even in the uk in scandinavia the wild hunt was called a which means terrifying ride, or Odin's Yacht, which means Odin's hunt. In Old German, it was called Wutan's Heer, which means Odin's army. In actual modern German, it's Wutantir, which means furious or inspired army, or Wildjager, meaning wild hunt. The more you know, luckily I do speak some German, but I do not speak any Scandinavian languages, although I'm working on it as I work with a whole bunch of Danes. Hello Danish colleagues, if you're listening. The wild hunt would ride through the forest in the darkest part of the year with the wind howling behind them. Anyone who was outside during this time would see this ghostly band, or in contrast, they'll spot them. The person would then be carried away and dropped miles away from where the person was picked up, or they were not returned at all, and they would just join the hunt permanently as a ghost. So they did kill people, these were not friendly ghosts. On the other hand, some people voluntarily joined the hunt. Mostly witches or magical practitioners would go to sleep and their souls would leave their bodies and join the hunt to embrace the ghostly rampage. Sometimes though, they were a bit more basic and they just went into towns and caused havoc by stealing food and drink and generally making a mess. The ghostly little rascals. Now, the oldest mention of the Wild Hunt is from the Anglo-Saxon Chronicles, which is one of the oldest sources of Anglo-Saxon history, and this was written in 1127 AD. I never know how to pronounce that, but here's an extract. Many people both saw and heard a whole pack of huntsmen in full cry. They straddle black horses and black bucks while their hounds were pitch black with staring hideous eyes. This was seen in the very deer park of Peterborough Town and in the woods stretching from that same spot as far as Stamford. All through the night, monks heard them sounding and winding their horns. Reliable witnesses who kept watch in the night declared that there might as well have been 20 or even 30 of them in this wild tantavy as near as they could tell. There are a couple of other tellings, like in 1673, Johanna Sheffer wrote about the wild hunt from stories told by people from the Laplands, who were also the Sami people in his book Laponia. Then later in her 1895 book Myths of the Northern Land, Hélène Adeline Gerber wrote about the hunt whilst it was led by Odin and his horse Slipnir, but we'll get to Odin's Slipnir's parts in this later. However, the most popular version of this myth by far was the legendary mythologist Jacob Grimm, as in the Brothers Grimm, legendary folklorists and storytellers. 
1895, he wrote a book called Deutsch Mythology, as they were German, don't you know, which followed the Grimm's Tales or, or what they were actually called were children's and household tales, which was where all of their fairy stories came from in 1812. Deutsch Mythology was actually widely criticised for being too pre-religion and calling for a unified Germany, but I think that's too big a subject to cover here on this podcast, so we'll just carry on. In his version of the story, he generally used a lot of pre-Christian comparisons by also saying that Odin was the leader of the hunt, which was very much looking back towards the old ways at the time, so he was massively criticised for advertising the dynamic nature of folklore, and I'm going to give you my two cents later on this. He also thought the leader of the hunt might have been a woman. He thought it actually might have been one of the lesser-known Norse goddesses, such as Bekta or Holder, but he did suspect that it might have even been Frigga, queen of the Norse gods and Odin's wife. What a bloody tag team they would be! Grimm's version of the story was that the hunt was always led by a god and goddess visiting the land during a holy holiday, and they brought lovely blessings and accepted offerings from local townsfolk. They could be heard approaching by people listening into the winds, but they later started raising havoc and they were given their fearsome reputation. So let's talk about the leader of the wild hunt, I've raced it a couple of times now. At the root of the myth, it's realistically the god king Odin from Norse mythology as the OG leader of the wild hunt. He would pretend to be Njord, who was the god of wind in Norse mythology, but it would kind of give it away when he would ride into the hunt on his legendary eight-legged horse Slipnir, who was the son of Loki and a stallion called Svaldifari, which means unlucky traveller in Norse, just as a fun fact. Another fun fact is that Loki was disguised as a mare during this encounter, even though he is male presenting in Mythos. He was pregnant with Slipnir as well, so I guess that showed him not to go around pretending to be a female horse. <laughs> anyway, whilst Odin was part of the hunt, he was known as the Wild Huntsman. The journey and the route of the hunt was known as Odin's Hunt, the Wild Ride, the Raging Host, or the Asgardria. If you entered the path, it would foretell pestilence, death or war for you and your town in the future. Odin would be followed by the dead, he would ride through the skies with thunder, lightning and wind blowing alongside them, and people would often point out that they thought the king of the gods had passed by if there was a storm. He also gained the nickname of the Gatherer of the Dead due to his placement in the hunt and their collection of dead people they'd grab along the way. But you've got to remember as well, he ruled over the dead warriors in Valhalla, which was Viking heaven, where they just fought for the rest of their eternity. Sounds like fun. However, enough about Odin, generally the mythology of the hunt changes to work with the times and the location of where the story was being told. So we've done enough about the Norse now. In the Middle Ages in the rest of Europe, the lead huntsmen included Charlemagne, King of the Franks, Roman Emperor Frederick Barbarossa, and even Arthur, King of the Britons, famous for his Knights of the Round Table, his sword being chucked at him from a lake, and his court at Camelot. But let's not go to Camelot. Tis a silly place. Actually, a really fun one is that a later folktale says that the leader was Hans von Hacklenburg, who was a semi-famous historical character in Germany, who was said to have killed a boar, and then dropped the boar tusk on his foot, and then died of poisoning. This story is talked about in The Sound of His Horn, a book by Sarban. He declared that as he died, he didn't want to enter the heavens, but to join the hunt instead, and he was placed as the new leader of the wild hunt, to forever hunt through the night skies. However, some say this was a punishment rather than a blessing, but can't be sure. 
However, a nice full circle here, the name Hacklenburg is related to the old Saxon word Hackolbrand, which means Odin. So it's a little bit of a disguise in a way. Although, let's cross the pond now and go over here to the UK. In Wales, the leader of the wild hunt was Gwynapnud, or Lord of the Dead. His hunt was a pack of white hounds with blood-red ears. These terrifying dogs were seen all over the UK, and they were called Gabriel Hounds. They apparently were a foretelling of oncoming doom as well. Hey-ho. In southern England, it was Hearn the Hunter who led the hunt. He is a mythical figure from English folklore who guards the woods around Windsor, which, you're right, is where the Queen lives sometimes. He has antlers growing out of his head and charges around with a hunting horn on a horse, frightening cattle and rattling chains. I've not heard of this guy before, but apparently he's in The Merry Wives of Windsor, the Shakespeare play, so I guess he's out there? I don't really know... But sticking with the English, there's a really cool sighting of them described by an English writer, Walter Mapp, in the 12th century. Here's a little extract for you. They travelled as we do with carts and sumpter horses, pack saddles and panniers, hawks and hounds, and a concourse of men and women. Those who saw them first raised a whole country against them with horns and shouts. And because they were unable to wring a word from them by addressing them, made ready to extort an answer with their weapons. They, however, rose up into the air and vanished on a sudden. Heading up to Scotland, Orkney had its own version of the wild hunt, but these were all led by fairies who were out galloping through the air on white horses or just riding on river reeds. However, as well as fairies, trolls were often seen as part of the hunt. Now, slightly important, I didn't say trolls, just as a double check, I said trolls, which actually relates us quite nicely back to the dead as these creatures were actually ghosts and they were only ever seen on pagan holidays such as Yule, Samhain and New Year. And this leads us quite nicely into paganism. So in new paganism, the leader of the wild hunt is the goddess Hecate, who is traditionally the Greek god of witchcraft and magic, but she did also have a significant link to Hades and the underworld in Greek mythology, as she is technically a Chthonic goddess and can open the gates to the underworld for the dead. And I would just like to stress that she's the goddess who also looks after ghosts, so she does fit quite nicely into our little band here, and hashtag girl power, you know, go Hecate. Within art, the best representation of the wild hunt is the 1872 masterpiece painting of Odin leading them, painted by Peter Nikolai Arbo. This is obviously the Scandinavian version of the myth, but it's just stunning to look at. The painting itself is called The Wild Hunt of Odin, or as Gardrian, look it up, it is just fabulous. Bit of a wild one. But there's also such a thing called the Wild Hunt Challenge in a couple of pagan groups, although accounts of it seem to stop in the 90s. They used it as, quote, a means of confronting the dark of nature as a process of initiation. It takes place on Halloween night and they walk around a woodland area doing tasks in the day and then they have to do them at night, but timed. It's apparently, quote, to gain mastery over an area of Gwyn Apnud's hunting ground. If you do it, you've gained the trust of the wood spirits and then you're allowed to cut some wood from its trees and make a staff. That's really cool, right? In movies and TV, I'll be honest, we're a bit lacking. They're in a horror movie from 2009 called The Wild Hunt. However, it doesn't look like the greatest movie in the world. TV, they're in Little Witch Academia and Team Wolf from what I can find, but it is really sparse. I'm so sorry to not give you more recommendations this week. 
Games wise, the biggest one is obviously the Witcher series. In this franchise, in number three specifically, the game, they're depicted as skeletal, ghostly figures that are the main antagonists within the third game, as they're trying to hunt down one of the main protagonists, Siri, so they can use her blood to save everyone from a frost that will kill everyone on the continent. I realise I'm probably boring a whole load of you. I am sorry. <laughs> they also feature in World of Warcraft Shadowlands, Elder Scrolls, Dungeons and Dragons, and Magic the Gathering. They're in a few comics and books too, including the Marvel series. The world hunt here is obviously made up of the Norse equivalent, so we've got Thor's enemies, linking back to that nice little Odin association, and they're led by Malekith the Accursed, who was the dark elf in the second and worst Thor movie. They're also in the Hellboy graphic novels and the case files of Lord Elmelioi II, which is a manga. I apologise now for my pronunciation on that one, I am very sorry. My book recommendations for this week are actually all fictional, but I have actually read a few of these back to back, so I'm ready. It's The Dark is Rising by Susan Cooper, The Mortal Instruments by Cassandra Clare, and The Dresden Files by Jim Butcher, all of which are quite famous and have also been made into movies. So hey, go forth and watch or read or whatever. They also kind of count towards the movie category. I don't know. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? I hate to say this, but probably not. Whilst the idea of a ghostly group of horsemen that predict bad events is a really fun one, it's not particularly feasible, and as I said, it's kind of a grim's tale with a couple of other European links, so it's even debatable if it's folklore, let alone just plain fiction, to be honest. Also, the leaders of the hunt are so interchangeable within different mythologies that how can we really attribute the hunt to something real? Although I do like the idea of King Arthur turning up outside your house one day to pick you up, it's just quite a ridiculous concept. However, on a more serious note, although I will say this is definitely not a serious podcast, the modern paganism link is very lovely. I like the idea of the concept of the hunt, linking humanity and nature in perfect harmony with each other, and that being the whole introduction to the wild is great. I get why people use them for this. And going back to what I said earlier after I talked about Jacob Grimm, I totally get what he was trying to get across in Deutsch mythology. Folklore is very dynamic, and the amount of times religion steals things from folklore isn't even funny. Look at Christianity and paganism, for example, like Yule and Christmas, guys. Like, it'll blow your mind. And to add to that, a lot of mythologies also overlap each other from different cultures. You've got the Egyptians going into Persia, Persia going into Greece, Greece going into Rome... All of them are interchangeable, and is there really that big a difference between Odin, Jupiter, Zeus, and Amun? Not really. And yeah, they just probably stole a lot of things from each other, so that's the true nature of folklore, and that's what makes it so fun, and why I love studying it. Well, they're a really cool bunch either way. I'm really glad we covered them. It's one I really didn't know much about Bar the Witcher games, and to be honest with you, I had these on a lot earlier in the schedule, but I actually chickened out. And I did that because I generally didn't think they were massively into what we were after here on the podcast and if they were interesting at all. And I really couldn't find much about them other than the very basics. But, you know, uh, all's well that ends well. I have learned my lesson through doing actually some more difficult ones where I struggled to find content. So, you know, I learned a lot whilst researching this, which I did all on the train coming back from Manchester last week. 
Next week, we're going back over to Greece because why not? It's my favourite. I love it. And we're looking at the lovely Sirens with my fabulous friend Bethany, who is a long-term lover of Sirens and is also our first guest, which is very exciting. It's a new thing for me. We're trialling it out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it does, brilliant. But be enticed by the Sirens' beautiful but deadly song next Thursday. For now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you're listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next. And I'd love to hear from you. The Twitter is at MythMonstersPod or the Instagram is at MythMonstersPodcast or you can email me old-fashioned style on MythMonstersPodcast at gmail.com. I also have the TikTok like a cool modern lady and it's MythMonstersPodcast. I do a quick myth on Mondays, Monster of the Week reveals on Tuesdays, Monster of the Week facts on Wednesday and a cool monster guessing game on Thursdays. It's all good fun on the TikTok. So come join the fun and share this with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. I bloody hope they will. But for now, stay spooky and I'll see you later, babes.